Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. Have you ever been asked to participate in a project, attend a meeting, an event, or heck, even attend a birthday party, but just couldn't say no without feeling guilty? Perhaps you've had to provide constructive feedback or share concerns, but just couldn't articulate the right words to say without destroying the relationship. Maybe you've received feedback and found yourself on the defense. The importance of communication in our everyday lives and in our relationships cannot be overstated. We've been told, if you can't say anything nice, then don't say it at all. In today's episode, our guest provides practical approaches and positive phrases for those times when you need to say something not so nice without destroying the relationship. Today's guest is Sarita Maben, who has been in her mission to inspire others to embrace positivity, even amid the challenges of our ever-changing high-tech times. In her 20-plus years as an international speaker and communication expert, Sarita is a TEDx speaker and published author with her book, If You Can't Say Something Nice, What Do You Say? And her newest book, Say What You Mean in a Nice Way. I am so blessed to have Sarita on today. I have personally had the opportunity to get to know her through the National Speaker Association. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Danielle. So great to be here. Tell us a little bit about your career journey. How did you become an expert on communication? Yes, yes. Well, many of my stories, (laughs) many of it came from my stories working in higher education which was my other career as a supervisor and working with staff and students. And then somewhere along the way, of course, I ended up getting the degrees, the psychology undergrad, the master's degree in counseling. But I really feel like that's just the backdrop. The real good stuff comes from the real life stories. Most of us have been in a situation where we wanted to say something, but that guilt has led us to say yes anyways. Maybe we've been asked, I said, to go to an event or be involved in a special project. And we want to say no. We know our plate's already full, but that guilt eats us inside. And so we say yes anyways. How can we set boundaries? Say no nicely without that guilty feeling. I know. Isn't that the worst thing? You're kicking yourself. Why did I say I'd do that? I think we've all been there where we're just like, what was I thinking when I agreed to this and said yes? And then of course we get overrun because we've got so much to do and we really are regretting it. But I always think there's three words that we can learn to use or three phrases, when, if, and as soon as. In other words, we can say yes, but set some boundaries. So I'd be happy to get that for you if you're willing to wait until the morning. I'd be happy to do that when I get the paperwork and information from you. Or as soon as I'm finished with this project, I'll be happy to get started on yours. So I always feel like if, when, and as soon as are three phrases that we can use to set those boundaries so we don't get trampled from all the things we agree to. A way of saying yes, while also setting those boundaries so that we're not overextending ourselves. Yes. Which happens a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Happens a lot. 
Now, we've also talked a little bit about constructive feedback. And there are times, whether you're leading people or whether it's a peer-to-peer interaction or even maybe in our own personal relationships where there have been times where we've needed to provide some constructive feedback. Maybe we've had to see, kind of share something a little bit negative. But what happens is the spiral interning in our brain of going, well, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I hurt their feelings? What do I do? How do you have those difficult conversations while still maintaining a good working relationship? Yes, yes. I have a three-step process I always recommend. And the acronym is AIR, A-I-R. A is awareness. To realize maybe they don't mean to be bothering us or annoying us. Sometimes people don't even know that they're part of the problem. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes the people who drive us crazy and get on our nerves, they have no idea they're doing that. I think just letting people know, hey, maybe you're not aware that this is what I'm seeing. So to point it out, and I think giving them the benefit of the doubt is really part of that. Assuming that their intentions aren't negative, I think that helps with that awareness piece. And then the big one is I. What is the impact of their behavior? So we're not saying you're a bad and mean person, but when you come late, the customers have to wait. Or when you yell and scream, it makes people defensive. Or when you don't show up, we're left in the lurch. Whatever the impact is, the negative impact, that's the I. And then, of course, the request is, what do you want? I have to chuckle with that one because often when I do my keynotes, I'll ask people to think about a situation that they want to work on, and I'll have them write down a situation, and I'll have them look at that R, which is the request. And I always say, think about what do you want in your heart of hearts for that person to do differently? And I had one gentleman say, well, sweetie, you know, if I was honest, I would want them to never show up at work again. Oh, gosh. Short of the person never darkening your doorway again, what is your request? What do you want in your heart of hearts for them to do differently? I think having that structure of making them aware, letting them know the impact, and then making a request, not a demand or dictating, but a request. I feel like that three steps helps us rein in that anxiety about confronting. There are so many times where either the person lacks the self-awareness of how their actions are impacting others, or it's our own internal triggers that have Mm -hmm. either been created by somebody else or from our past, or it's just these triggers that we have that sometimes spark up emotions where we get irritated by something, but it may not even be related specifically to them. It just might be a trigger for us. What I'm hearing you say is, Assume the positive intent, the benefit of the doubt that maybe they don't even know. Yeah, yeah. And then as you said, that request. I just went through this conversation with my husband where my husband's very analytical. He's a very analytical type personality. And we often have conflicting schedules sometimes where we're balancing things. And then also maybe there's times where I have night events, weekend events, just like he does with his duties. And there's been times where I'll ask him like, hey, can I have this event coming up? Can you watch the kids these Mm -hmm. nights? And his analytical personality is what time? Why is it going on? Why are you doing a night event? That's probably (laughs) the questions he asks. And it took me a second to realize I get triggered by that because I feel like every time he asks me, I say things like, absolutely, no problem. Go do what you need to do. I'll take care of the boys. No problem. But his approach was more analytical. So as you said, it's not that his intentions were bad. It's his personality. And my request to him was, hey, could you respond by saying, no problem. Can you give me the details? I would feel more supported. 
Yes, yes. A lot of people are kind of wanting to know, well, why should I help or what's the reason for this? For those of you who are watching it or listening and want to take a few notes, I always love sharing phrases. I'm a big fan of phrases. And my favorite phrases in those kind of situations are so that and because. For me, it would be like, would you be willing to keep an eye on the kids so that I can go do this important meeting? Or would you be willing to, I need you to do this because it's important that I be in such and such a place. It's kind of back to the old acronym we all heard, W-I-I-F-M. People want to know what's in it for me. And I always love that acronym. It sounds like a radio station, (laughs) W-I-I-F-M. But really, it's kind of what makes the world go round. People always want to know, well, why is this important? Or why should I do this? And I'm one of those people, I'm a why person. Why do I need to do this? Or why is this important? Why does it matter? And my husband, much like your husband, sometimes will push back with a need for an explanation. Not a long, drawn-out explanation, but just for me to explain it's so that I can do this or it's because of that. A helpful one for those who want to know what is the backstory here. I'm hearing what's in it for me, the because or the why behind it. Yeah, And it's the A-I-R. So that. Yeah, yeah. So that. I actually saw some research somewhere that when you send an email to someone, if you say, I need you to do that, and you put because... Just because you put because in the email, they perk up and say, oh, maybe I need to pay this more attention. And I thought that was fascinating that it's a because I think as women, we sometimes go into the whole tap dance and tell the whole long drawn out story. No, not that. It's just I need your help because it will allow us to meet your deadline or I need to get this information because it will expedite your payment. Really, in the end, it's also going back to them saying, well, why do I care? Why should I do this? So the because and the so that, those are the two phrases that highlight why this is important for you to want to cooperate with me. (laughs) People want to know why. What's in it for them? Why, if they're being asked to do that, what's the importance of me prioritizing this particular request versus Mm -hmm. another that's on their plate as well? Yeah. We will be right back to today's episode. Perhaps you want to increase your income, get promoted or launch a business. You may be feeling overwhelmed, lost, and seeking a sense of purpose and clarity in your career. It's easy to feel stuck when you don't know where you're going or how to get there. How would you feel knowing exactly what steps to take and how to get there? In the show notes, you will find a link to free workbooks with actionable steps to accelerate your career, prevent burnout, and launch your own business. Does your company have a goal in mind and want a high quality speaker with motivational style? Click the link to set up a time to discuss me speaking at your next event. Thanks for tuning in and back to today's episode. We've talked about how to say yes while setting boundaries. We've talked a little bit about how to provide some kind of constructive feedback. What happens when you're on the receiving end of feedback? And I know that sometimes our initial reaction is that flight or fight, I want to either flee the situation because it's completely uncomfortable, or I'm ready to fight and my defense mechanism comes up, which is pretty common, sometimes depending on the feedback. How can we receive feedback without getting defensive? Oh, I love that question. I love that. I got some advice years ago when I was a grad student. One of my first mentors gave me this piece of advice, which has served me well. She says, when you get feedback, ask for more. And I was thinking to myself, that's the last thing I want to do. But one of my favorite signature stories that I tell when I'm doing my keynotes, and I'm not going to go into the full-blown story, but 
I literally have like a five minute signature story all about receiving feedback and how I learned to apply the ask for more strategy. But I talk about a time when I gave some feedback to, or I asked an employee in a staff meeting, I asked him, what do you think we can do to improve the department? And he says, well, you could be a better supervisor. And I remember getting really defensive. And then I remember that advice asked for more. So when he said, well, you could be a better supervisor. I said, well, how do you mean? Can you be a little more specific? That's an example of asking for more. And then he gave me some great suggestions that I would not have come up with if I had just shut him down and said, how dare he say I could be a better supervisor. Ask for more. It looks like, can you be more specific? Can you give me an example? Or maybe can you elaborate? Instead of going into the well, what happened was, We want to go into the explanation tap dance. I actually read something. I want to say that it was a book on negotiation. You may know of Voss is his last name, a former hostage negotiator. And he's got a book about negotiation. But anyway, in his book, he said something that was rather startling. He says, explaining is just a fancy word for argument. So we start saying, when someone says, you don't do this or you do that. And then we start trying to explain, well, see, the reason I do this is and because and what happened was. All of that really does not help. I love that advice that I received all those years ago from my mentor, where someone says something, instead of starting explaining, aka arguing, just say, oh, tell me more, or can you elaborate? Or I like to say, how do you mean? Can you be more specific? All of those phrases are ways of asking for more, which seems like the last thing we want to do, but in the end, it actually illuminates the situation. So I have a whole long story about how that served me well initially and how it has served me going forward to respond to things that we don't want to hear. His comment about, I'd like for you to be a better supervisor, that's a very vague comment. And the only way for us to improve in what we're doing is to have specific examples of maybe what we are doing wrong, what they would like to see differently. A lot of the times I'll respond with say, okay, well, what would that look like? I love that. That's a perfect way of asking for more. What would that look like? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I had a woman tell me one time she was in a performance review and the boss said, well, you're not a team player. And that is about as vague as it gets. What exactly does that mean? And then, of course, she asked for more feedback and found out. In fact, what she found out was he said, you sit in the staff meetings with closed body posture, arms folded. And she says, I'm cold. The meeting rooms are cold. And that's why I sit like that. She got really unmerited negative feedback because he was perceiving her negatively. But in reality, she didn't have that negative intention at all. It was just cold. But you never find out those things if you don't ask for more. And I think if we get defensive when we get feedback, we won't ever get, as you say, that valuable input, the valuable information. And one way that he could have shifted his approach on that conversation was when we're in team meetings and your arms are folded and crossed, the perception of the team is that you're not a team player, that you're not being involved. Right. And that would have opened up the conversation for her to then respond. I can understand maybe why that's the perception. I'm just cold. So now I just know to bring a jacket, but that is not my intention, right? It goes into perception versus intention. Exactly. Exactly. And in real life, we wish people would say things so eloquently, but in real life, they just say, you're not a team player, or you're so mean, or you're nosy, you're overbearing. Take a long list of accusations, people will just throw it out in a harsh way. And so we have to separate that harsh approach from, okay, let me get to the bottom of what are they trying to tell me? What is the real nugget of useful feedback here? As you said, what are the results? What are the changes that you want that person to make to get to the outcome of what you're trying to strive for? 
in improving the leadership style or the engagement with team building. What are three things that you want to leave with our listeners that they can apply today? Because you've shared a lot of pearls of wisdom here. I have a few little quips that I love to share in my keynotes. And one is that please and thank you are still the magic words. I think anytime we want to make a request, instead of saying, do this, or you better do this, instead say, I need you to do this, please. Please and thank you are wonderful, even in emails as well, when we're making requests, a lot of times we're emailing. A please and thank you. I call it the kindness check. So please and thank you are still the magic words. My mantra in life is what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. I really wanted that to be my book title, but it was way too long. (laughs) And I think ask for more, which would be the last thought, which is when we get that feedback, just ask for more when we're on that receiving end. You've written two books. So share with our listeners your two books and what they can learn from each of their books and why they should get them and pick them up today, which I'll be including the link in the show notes for you. Oh, yay. Okay. You can see in the background my new book, which was my long, long overdue second book. I called it my pandemic project. It's either write the book or bake bread, whichever would be more productive. So this was like the sequel to my first book, which is called, If You Can't Say Something Nice, What Do You Say? And that book has been out a good decade or so. And both are available on Amazon. My first book, If You Can't Say Something Nice, What Do You Say? The subtitle is Practical Solutions for Working Together Better. That's the real foundation that has the AIR, A-I-R that I talked about is in that first book. My signature top 10 positive communication phrases is in the first book, and it's available on Amazon and Kindle. And also I narrated the audiobook as well a few years back. So it's on Audible as well, the first book. And the second book, the sequel, Say What You Mean in a Nice Way, follows that up, but it has a lot of examples that relate to online communication. Working Together Better in High Tech Times is the subtitle of the second book. That one has a lot of the fact that we communicate via email in every chapter as an example that is communicating online in addition to in-person. So it's kind of the updated version. That'll be in January of 2023. I'll be narrating that one for Audible. Right now it's on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. What I'm hearing is the first book, if those of you are tend to listen to books while in the car, you can pick up her Audible right now, listen to that one. And then coming in the next couple of months, you'll be able to follow that up with the sequel for the next book as well. And I'll include in the show notes, the links to both. Thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. There are some actionable advice that you gave us on how we can say things nicely during difficult conversations so that we're not harming the relationships that we're in. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. Until then, be unstoppable.